Hi, Mel. Hi, Sanya. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. Perfect. Today. Good. Yeah, today's been, it's a beautiful day outside. It's a little windy. You might hear my wind chimes in the back, but. I have been hearing those. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was wondering what that uh, sound was, because actually when I hear that sound, it's synonymous with uh, starting a meditation, which is exactly the topic we're talking about today. So today is all about meditation, the different forms of meditation, and is it worth the hype? So yes. today we're just going to kind of give an overview of the different types of meditation, a little bit of our personal journeys along that uh, meditation route that we've taken, mm -hmm. and just some uh, scientific evidence backing the power of meditation. So that kind of leads me to asking, you know, Mel, why all the hype behind meditation? Does it actually work? Well, there is a lot of hype, isn't there? Um, and if you have a look at how many apps have been produced in the last, I don't know, decade, but certainly in the last five years in the UK, we've seen uh, a real increase in uh, popularization, I guess it is, of, uh, of meditation and mindfulness. Um, but I come into contact with a lot of people who either don't want to do it or haven't tried it or have tried and said, well, it doesn't work. So I thought, actually, what is the hype about it? Is it something um, worth doing? And we've talked about it in our own lives anyway, haven't we? Because we both have taught meditation and uh, practiced different things um, to improve how we feel. So what is it? Uh, well, the research is emerging in terms of the impact uh, that meditation can have. And some of the more recent research shows that practicing meditation every day will actually lead to improved mental health and well-being, as well as actual changes in the brain. Um, they reckon it's about 20 minutes is enough to show an increase in the brain's area uh, associated with emotional regulation and grey matter. So um, in the past, I've talked to you about some of the work that I used to do early on in my career when I worked as a, a therapist. I worked in schools and um, one of the key issues that was emerging and happens in more serious mental health issues is actually people's capacity to emotionally regulate. Um, so what they're now starting to see is that people who struggle with managing their emotions or get overwhelmed on a day-to-day -day basis can actually benefit from, even if pre-meditation, they can practice mindful uh, exercises. So um, there's lots of research out there. I think uh, Greg Braden, uh, was a researcher who spent some time with monks and monks' brains have been researched. And that's where they've started to see the differences. They measure the uh, contrasting brains and see how that grey matter has uh, actually uh, grown within the brain. So that's coming through the new newer element of neuroscience. And so it's fascinating to see something that we've kind of known for a long time can make a difference but we didn't know if actually on a on that sort of neurological level there really was and once you've started to make some positive improvements to the brain you know it, it doesn't necessarily disappear it, it's like strengthening your muscles really when you go to the gym is you'll start to get the benefit of that but it's about consistency and that's why they've said 20 minutes a day is enough to show an increase in that right yeah, I agree. You know, meditation, just like any other, um, any other thing that we take any other path, mm -hmm. the path of meditation is also part of that journey. You know, there's, there's going to be things that work for you. There's going to be things that feel like they're not going to work for you. Um, you're going to notice that as you go down this, this path, the, the way it opens up, the way things change, the way it cycles in and out, um, it really makes this huge difference on your way to that destination point. And so we have to treat meditation the way we do any other portion of our journey. You know, we talk about all the time that, you know, the healing journey is a forever process. You know, the meditative journey can be a process that you can work through in a lifetime. I know from personal experience, what I started in meditating and how it worked for me is now graduating almost into these deeper forms of meditation. And as Mel was saying, you know, they say 20 minutes, you know, I literally, 
I'm the person that needs to give myself space every day. It's just who I am. I, I am, I used to fight. I not fighting sleep. I love sleep, but I really can't seem to get into a nap or take those naps. And part of that journey was spending those 20, that 20 minute timer, if you will, you know, that, uh, to, to try to get into a more of a subconscious level so that when I do come up out of it, it's almost like I got that rest and it really does kind of restation me for the rest of the day. So that's one of the, um, uh, indicators really is, that um, there is a school of thought that, you know, that 20 minutes or hour of, uh, catnapping or, uh, or even just lying down on the on the sofa on the floor and focusing on your breath and doing a body scan and we can talk more about that in a in a little while um, can help you feel as though you've had like you know a whole night's sleep. It can be really regener regenerational, you know, um, massive impact on the mind, the body. But also, um, if we're overwhelmed and we've got lots of emotions going on, knowing how to get that space sit down and focus on your breath and even starting the mindful practice will start to teach your brain that rather than going into this full-blown pattern that maybe you get into on a regular occasion, you're able to sort of pull back, slow down your thoughts, become more aware of the subtle energies rather than very strong, powerful ones. Yeah. Once I've started to shift, um, because you can be in the height of, you know, stress, family relationship dramas, um, work situations can impact us but even just by starting to focus on your breath and watching your belly rise and fall which can be a very simple way of starting to do meditation you slow down those thoughts and you start to become aware of the subtleties within what's going on and you can start to sort of really regain some balance or control depending on what the uh, situation needs or you can just have that time out because um, you know, life's about balance. So you don't always want to be go, 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 sorting this out, sorting that out. Having that space to do that is yeah. really vital. Um, it could also be, you know, for some people, they'll choose to focus on meditation because it's part of the spiritual path. So for some people, it might be, right, I'm going to practice this 20 minutes a day, an hour a day, two hours a day. And some people will operate like that for a while. Um, for me to sit for two hours because I've got some, you know, actual physical muscle issues um, can be quite painful. Um, so often, and, and that's the beautiful link with yoga, really, because in a way, yoga originally is about stretching and releasing the muscles and the, uh, the strains within the body so that you can actually sit down cross legged and focus on your breath, because if you've got any tightness in your body, any aches and pains your brain your, your mind is constantly going to that part of your body that is feeling those aches and pains and the same right. thing you've got lots and lots of distractions in your mind and um, I don't know about you but different times of the day when I uh, practice meditation if it's if it's just after work and I've gone to a class sometimes I've spent a whole hour just trying to slow my thoughts down and the thoughts come back in and and it doesn't matter how long you've been practicing because we'll have a different experience of that each time sometimes we can settle into that space really easily right. and other times it just feels like the thought comes in we clear it the thought comes in we clear right. it but yeah. that in itself is the practice of meditation it's allowing these thoughts to enter the space but then also recognizing their importance in that space and it really gets your brain activated in that way to saying is this thought worthy of me interrupting this peace that i'm feeling or do I need to shift it and allow that car to keep on moving by as, you know, if I want to enter a space of silence, sometimes the thought is necessary and then you can build upon that thought and, and really get into that mindfulness of why that thought is penetrating, you know, um, as Mel and I discuss all the time, there's become the scientist. There is no one way to meditate. There's so many different ways to meditate. There's so there's, there's what works for you is the right way. Mm. You know, that is going to always be the right way down. We've can have as many studies, as many understandings, as many, um, meditation, yoga gurus that you want telling you the way to do it. But if it's not right for you, then it's not right for you. And you have to find the ways that work into, I couldn't silence my brain. 
you know, I'm convinced that that's part of this air sign that I am is that we're mental. We're, all we do is the thought process. So inside of that mental um, space, I am always thinking. And so I really had to get myself to a place where um, I could listen to another person speak to me. And so guided meditation really worked for me for a long time, allowing that to come through. And, and that way I was more in control because I was able to say, nope, we're not taking those in. We're taking the outside thought in that outside person in right now. That really helped me, um, kind of, uh, learn that I can tame the thought process as I go. Yeah, exactly. Is um, sometimes people will say, I can't practice. I've tried, you know, it's difficult because um, they'll find that they are consumed by the thoughts. And it really is sometimes just it's you just not practiced in doing anything other than filling your mind full of thoughts or yep. being constantly distracted because we're in a world that is constantly distracting us. We've got our phones next to us. If we've got hate behaviors and patterns that is constantly looking at our phone every five minutes to see what the latest post is on the platform that we use, then we just it just helps us become aware of this impulsive, destructive behavior. And that's what mindfulness can teach us. Um, and the other aspect of it is, is, you know, and I've seen this with groups that I've taught, is sometimes when you slow your thoughts down in the world down, it can start to feel quite scary because you can start to have things come to mind or feelings arise that you're not comfortable with. And so part of the process of life of feeling it full of distractions, buying clothes, drinking, taking drugs, um, going out and about with friends all the time and not having any quiet spaces can be because actually the distractions provide um, a, a way out of sitting with yourself because yeah. actually sometimes it's quite difficult to spend time on your own and notice what feelings arise. Yet when the feelings arise, it's because your body, you know, you've given you, your, your body and your mind permission in a way you've set the intention. You're going to sit there and whatever feelings arise is not to, I think the key thing is not to be scared of whatever it is you're experiencing and to understand that even people who look like they're very serene and they're sat there meditating. Now, um, one of my most, um, you know, comedic sort of experiences is listening, you know, I, I like listening to Ram Das, and who was a clinical psychologist with a PhD uh, professor teaching uh, psychology uh, at university and then went to India, um, met a guru and stayed over in India for a long time before he came to America and became uh, a spiritual leader. Um, and I, I love listening to him because he's very real about the human experience. And, you know, he said on several occasions in talks that I listened to that no matter the fact that he's got a PhD in psychology and he's been on this journey and uh, probably been visited other realms in his meditation and can practice, he still gets angry, still gets irritated, and he's still got his own neurosis. But the difference is it's not as big and as ugly and as scary as it used to be. It will still come up. There are still aspects of ourselves that maybe will just be who we are, and we experience that. So it's part of, about accepting that we're human, we have this array of feelings, and we'll have this experience but just by still in the mind and still in the body, we can at least when we start to relax and take some breaths in, we can at least start to allow the body to experience some oxygen coming in, uh, start the healing process. Because if we're in resistance and we're fighting our way through life all the time, then our bodies get stiff. If we've got aches and pains and you know, consistent stiffness, then that is a message of the body that you need to um, either get a massage or um, do some uh, rest, go for a swim, have a sauna and really get some balance in your life. It also can really help people apply the brakes. So yeah. if they're really vulnerable, feel fragile, overwhelmed, um, Sometimes people are encouraged to just spurt out everything and say whatever, you know, the contents of their minds are. Um, but what it can help us do is when we take those breaths is sit back and then apply the brakes and just draw that boundary within that space that you're in while you're experiencing that. Right. And over time, if you allow yourself to find some space every day, 
there are I mean everybody I think everybody experiences meditation in so many different ways even if we all did the same meditation we've all got different thoughts going through yeah. we've got different perspectives of the world like you what you've talked about in earlier podcasts we have this security guard that stands there saying you know why haven't you had that sandwich yet why haven't you had that cigarette why haven't you walked out yet because the brain doesn't like to do something different so there'll right. be somebody there in your your ego mind saying get up you know what you're doing right. this this isn't a comfortable place for you to be in right yeah and it's trying to protect you but all the while it's also keeping you from breaking free from that emotional prison that you've been in for so long yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i would say that you know i have been one of those people that's like, I just can't meditate. It's just not within me. And I have to eat my words now because now every day, even though it's not a length of time, because I'm not in a race to do these things. In fact, yeah. I'm, I'm really allowing my, my body and my mind to show me when it's time to take that meditation break. But, you know, for me, this it's been, it's this whole beautiful journey that started with you know, breath, you know, I, you know, the breath really helped me realize where I was shallow breathing and I maybe wasn't getting the oxygen in that I needed to get. And then, and everything I do is very light in these arenas because I, I, I can't go into these breath works that put me in ice water and makes it okay. That's just not the type of experience I'm looking to have. I, I want to be able to relax and be in more of a peaceful space. And so for me, it started with breath and because breath is a meditation within itself, you focus on the breath is really hard to focus on the external stuff because you're starting to feel your, your body feeling better. And you're starting to notice that you're taking these breaths that we're ending maybe in the heart space, but now you're ending them in the diaphragm and, and what a difference that feels as your brain starts to turn on these signals, because maybe it was missing oxygen to those places as you were shallow breathing your day away, you know, yeah. and then it kind of turned into, okay, well, I'm going to try this meditation thing. And I'd close my eyes and it'd be like, did you know that I could go to Japan and back and, you know, and just like started filling my head with random things. And I was like, okay, I definitely can't meditate that way. So I did the guided meditation and I would bring guided meditation in. And then the whole goal was just to keep letting the, the thoughts come and push them away so that I could stay focused on the person I was tuning into. It taught me a couple of lessons. It taught me how to experience listening in a new way. Mm -hmm. It taught me how to, that not every thought has an import is as important as it says it is because every thought that we have thinks it's the most important thing in the whole wide world, but come to find out most thoughts are filler. They're background noise. They just mm -hmm. kind of come in because this is who we are. We are, we're filled with all of this information, you know, and, and so we might as well just let our brain run on, you know, autopilot the whole time, you know? And so then it was like, there was this moment where I knew I needed sleep and I needed to take that nap, but nap wasn't coming. It just wasn't. <laughs> My mind was too full. And I thought to myself, well, what if I decided that I don't get the nap and I just laid here and tried to quiet my thoughts instead. And it was like, boom, this miracle occurred, right? It was, it, I didn't fall asleep, but I got into this subconscious part of my mind. And then it was like, of course I was thinking, but it was almost like it was outside of my thoughts. It was yeah. something from a different space, something from within that was coming up and it was showing me things as opposed to me telling myself things. And you can really note the difference. And, and when I came out of it, it was almost like I was being lifted back into a conscious state of mind. And I opened my eyes and I was like, oh, wow, my eyes aren't as heavy as they were oh, wow, my body has some energy in it, you know? And then I was like, oh, wait, that was meditation. Maybe, maybe meditation does work for me. And yeah. I began to start that process of doing that. And I don't really stick over, I think 45 minutes would be my max amount of time um, up to date. I'm not saying that that doesn't grow, but for now it's like, I lay myself down 
And this is the way I've convinced myself to do it. This is my personal scientific experiment. And it was something along the lines of you're tired. You feel mm -hmm. heavy. Let's go lay down and, and give myself permission to do nothing for just a little bit. And I will mm -hmm. give myself permission to do absolutely nothing. And that includes mental nothing, allow myself just to rest. And inside of that, it is just growing and growing and growing. And I have this really cool moment where, so, you know, I am on the spiritual path and we know this, everybody that's listened to us knows this. And I had this um, Egyptian mythological deity come forward and he's known as Anubis mm -hmm. and Anubis comes forward. I even wrote a poem about this. Right. And I would talk to Anubis and Anubis would take me into this library or hall of mirrors, just depending on what the experience was. And it wasn't until this past week, Mel, it's so funny. It wasn't until this past week I made the decision to maybe I should look up what Anubis represents outside of like being with Mott and weighing out the heart to the feather. Right. Come to find out this person, this energy, this entity, this deity is in charge of the Akashic records, mm -hmm. which is where I've been stepping inside of for a little while now. Right. And so it's like, to me, that was very interesting because I don't try to attach too many because mm -hmm. at the bottom line, it's just energy. And so I would, knowing that kind of blew my mind because maybe subconsciously I had read about that at some point and that's what's coming forward and that's what I'm seeing. But regardless of it, it was a very beautiful experience to see that this person that greets me every time I walk in to my subconscious mind is the same person that have been, has been across the board for, you know, centuries as in charge of this Akashic records that we all hold so dear this, the, the wisdom holder, you know? So what you beautifully illustrate are the different stages that people can go through from that oh, I don't know, what is all this sort of thing about meditation or that's for the, you know, that's for the yogis or the, the gurus or, you know, that's for people who are on the spiritual path. Um, although it is used a lot in business now and um, they're realizing the benefits of that in all sorts of different ways. But yeah, the early stages of the journey can be, what is this? I, I, I can't do it. And equally, I think what you've indicated and I've experienced that probably everybody experiences, which is you've just got so much stuff in your head. Mm -hmm. You're spending most of the time saying, right. Uh, and it is the most simple way of starting meditation, which is, okay, I've got all this stuff in my head, focus on my breath, breathe in, breathe out. Oh, what's the shopping I've got to get? No, focus back on the breath, breathe in, breathe out. What about the car? I've got to get that fixed. No, focus right. back on the breath, breathe in, breathe out. So sometimes it can be like that and I'll still get it like that sometimes. Um, and then I, I think you can then start to get motivated to do it because you might, as you say, start to experience some of the benefits. So for you, it's about, okay, I can't sleep, but I'm going to still myself. I'm going to focus on my breath. Oh, hang on a minute. I'm starting to feel some benefit in a way that I didn't anticipate. And that's the beautiful thing with starting uh, to try this because I can't really remember when I first, I remember meditating with a friend maybe 15 years ago, um, but it was only really when I took up yoga and I um, started to do it as a class. So it was in a contained space. Someone else was teach, teaching that because equally for me to sit down and just, uh, just meditate with no sound um, on days because my brain is active all the time it can feel like it takes 20 minutes for my brain to even just slow down and, and not have any uh, thoughts in my head. Um, on other days, and, and that's why mindfulness is, is a, you know, uh, weaves in and out meditation because you can be in the garden and so engrossed in uh, sorting out your flower pots or out with your camera as I do on a regular basis to start taking some pictures in whatever location I'm in. And for me, that's a very mindful moment when I'm absorbed in taking pictures or doing some gardening, then the thoughts aren't there. And I'm, I'm in, absorbed in that activity. So we can go through these stages. So I guess the first thing is, okay, why is it important? Well, having thoughts in your head all the time isn't always a good thing. Being in a state of stress is not a good thing. Research has shown uh, what the long-term impact of that is. Um, 
being overwhelmed with emotions isn't a good thing because what you'll tend to do is if you if you wake up and your day doesn't start well um, and you are in these emotional states, the chances are you're going to get stuck in traffic. The lights are going to be red. You're not going to have a you know joyful experience going around the supermarket, whereas you can actually mindfully do those things and, and enjoy that experience. Um, I don't, uh, in terms of a goal, I think originally I bought into some of the mythology around meditation that I'm not meditating properly unless I sit here for an hour or two hours. What I decided to do, as I did with the yoga, I always set myself a very simple baseline and said, right, I'm going to sit here and just focus on my breath equally because I was also not getting enough oxygen. I used to hold my breath when I was stressed. And so it was like, oh, wow, this is what happens when I've got oxygen in my body. (laughs) Oh, that was a complete different. Yeah. That was different. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm (laughs) yawning all the time. What is this about? So I'd set myself a goal of sometimes just 10 minutes, you know, and I often find because over time, what I've noticed is even if the thoughts are still coming in and out my head, um, I can start to feel my body settling and getting into a very still space. And I actually love that uh, sensation of stillness. I love the quiet. And if I was practicing mindfully, I might sit there cross-legged on the floor at whatever time of day. And I might then decide to tune into a particular sound. So it might be bird song. It might be the tap dripping. If you live near an airport, you tune into the sound of the planes. You can tune into one thing. So that can be the mindful. A fan can be the white voice that is all you need. You know, it's funny because I used to, laugh that we have this little robot vacuum and she will end up coming into my room and my husband will be like, Oh, let me stop that for you. And I'm like, no, in fact, having that noise is calming to me. And sometimes it even sends me into sleep, whereas normally I wouldn't be able to sleep. And that is something I do want to mention when we are starting meditation, especially if we're healing trauma, especially if we're healing these deeper wounds, you're going to fall asleep. Yes. Your body needs to heal. This is not your, this means that you're doing something right. This doesn't mean that you're failing meditation or meditation is failing you. This is just an indicator that what you need is something deeper than you're ready to process on a conscious level. Mm -hmm. What you're doing as you fall asleep, because I went through this whole phase where every time I would lay down for a guided meditation, I would zonk out and I would wake up and say, whoa, like crap. I missed it. Now I'm going to have to do it again. And I would beat myself up a little bit. And then I realized that I still felt better anyways, that I still felt much better than I did walking into this guided meditation. And so we have to allow ourselves this room to grow within it and just, you know, acknowledge that we are these fragile. Yeah. We're these fragile beings. And some of this stuff requires deeper levels of healing that only sleep is going to provide for you. The guided meditation on the television or in your headphones is still there. It's still speaking into the subconscious levels of you and it's still working, even if you're not consciously aware of its work. So if you fall asleep or have a tendency to fall asleep, give yourself that, that room to, to be okay with it because it is okay to fall asleep during meditation. Cause that is what your body needed. That what is you what your mind needed was to drop into that zone. Yeah. You've just reminded me actually of a time when I was in a very stressful job and I was starting at seven in the morning and, you know, working till seven at night and wasn't sleeping. Cause when you get to that state of stress where your sleep is disrupted, it doesn't take long. And I, I did go to a talk one night. So I was, I'm, I'm usually okay. If I go outside, it's when you're in your own space, it can be harder to keep mm-hmm. your eyes open. And I remember sitting in the audience and I never figured out how people could fall asleep outdoors at events. And I was listening to this talk and I think he did a meditation and I would just fall asleep at, at yoga, at the talks. And I knew I'd just go lie down, sitting up. I could stand up and probably still because I was so exhausted. And then there've been times where, especially when I started practicing yoga, I was going once a week. I set myself a baseline, the same thing. I'll go once a week. And it was Kundalini yoga. So it was a lot of chanting and some very enriching meditation because I like the teacher and, and the way that she, it was different each week. So my brain didn't work out a pattern it didn't get into a homeostasis which is you need yeah so you need some uh, different things you don't want to do the same thing each time 
And sometimes, you know, I'd feel all these emotions well up and I'd, and I'd cry. And yeah. I have met people who say, oh my God, you know, I cry during yoga or during meditation. Well, the, in yoga, your body cont- is contorted and squeezing certain muscles. And as we know, emotions and trauma can be held within the body system. Right. So all you have to do is, is uh, force those muscles in holding a stance, squeezing, doing yin yoga, and then the body will release that. So yeah. it is exactly that is part of that healing process. And even in the last few weeks, now I get great sleep. Um, I have a good routine, but I've done a few meditations uh, recently. And I think sometimes it just it's a bit, it reminds me of the film Inception, you know, where you keep dropping levels. Yeah. It's a bit like you go yeah. into different hypnotic levels. It's just a different level of experience I'm having. Yeah. Um, and I did try and make myself sit ups because if I lie down, I definitely am going to fall asleep. So we do experience it in different ways. And equally, as you said, I like guided visualizations. I also like listening to people with, there's a British guy called Paul McKenna. He's made meditations, but he uses hypnosis language in that. So you get a very deep, rich experience yeah. and you can choose particular ones for, for stress, for sleep issues, for, um, designing your future whatever you know whatever uh, meditation you listen to sometimes I do it where there is not there is nothing if I've got a, an empty house then I've got a level of peace and quiet at certain times of the day mm-hmm. other times I listen to a guided meditation meditation and also I play a lot of uh, frequency music healing music so for me I set the intention that mind body and spirit is actually receiving some healing well, I'm yeah. Well, person. and that's just what I was going to bring up is mind, body, spirit is the name of the game of meditation, yes. right? What are we doing? We're calming the mind <laughs> yeah, so that we can focus on the body, right? And then mind, body, spirit, and then the spirit overwhelms us so that we can get to that place of understanding slowly, but surely meditation has done nothing but good for me. And it doesn't matter if I've slept through the meditation, if I stayed awake, you know, most of the time I am a very comfort driven person. So I lay in a comfortable position, like I would to go to sleep in order to perform meditation, because if I'm uncomfortable, I'm not going to do it. And sitting up hurts my back. It hurts my hips. So I would rather lay down. And if I'm going to lay down, I want to lay down in a position that is what I consider comforting to me, which is on my side. And so even in my meditations, I take on a sleep position and regardless if it goes to sleep or it doesn't, I know whatever that is, is necessary for me. We all have our ways. Again, we are scientists. We are here to create what works for us inside of any pathway we're taking. And what works for me is presenting myself into a sleep um, style meditation so that whenever I am in a a space, if I do need to fall asleep, I'm comfortable. And if I don't fall asleep, I feel like my, cause I've tricked the guardian in my brain to saying, Oh, we're just going to go to sleep here. And it allows it to kind of release its control over me so that I can relax that brain a lot, relax that thought pattern and take me into a deeper level of, um, of learning and journeying. Yeah. And I, 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 I started something similar about six months ago because I think your experience of meditation, rightly, as you say, will change as you start to almost uh, experience the subtler elements of either your psyche or new information that comes now, whether that comes from your spirit, whatever you believe in, in terms of uh, out of yourself or um, from your unconscious mind, we will start to experience new ideas, new information or or you know peak experiences because you can feel very joyous and happy and equally you can feel all the other emotions but I did start doing something recently and it's when I wake up in the morning um and equally because my my back has been quite sore I lay on the on the bed or the sofa and I focus on my breath and I imagine that I'm bringing the breath and I bring it uh swoop the breath in through the body and up again and through the body and up again and I imagine that the breath is clearing any of the energetic spaces that uh, may be stuck or stagnant or, and, and those um, energetic experiences we can have just by going out to the shops, you know, coming back and we've been around people where right. the mood is heavy or this dense experiences. So it's a way of sort of 
cleansing your own energy field every day so that what benefits you get from the practices that you do, you're able to maintain them. Um, because when we're walking out into the world, you know, we, we are, di- we, we are multifaceted beings and we will start to experience some of the emotions or feelings, especially as we've talked in other uh, podcasts about being an empath, we will start to experience things that aren't ours. And so in a, in a way, meditation can help you discern what's yours, what you learned about yourself, help you uh, kickstart the healing process. And if you're sick, uh, and as you know, I'm you know, sick a few months ago, uh, I was literally doing this in-bed meditation every day because I was sick for a few weeks um, because I knew that it, would, it really enables the body to start the healing process. So um, I do have a question because, you know, uh, one thing I do is kind of power through things and, you know, fear isn't a language I like to speak very often. So what happens you know, we've talked about because meditation did not align with myself until I got further, a little further into the journey Mm. and worked through some of those deeper traumas. What, what would you recommend in the middle of a meditation where the trauma comes forward and it triggers a very big response within you? What would, what are some soothers or some things that you would recommend to the people that are just beginning this journey for meditation, what would you recommend? Well, I think it's a good point because um, the classic way people experience meditation is when they go to some group or another and it's often yoga. Um, So first of all is to know that any emotions can appear, whether you perceive them as negative or not. If it's something that's really overwhelming, you need to know that you can apply the brakes. So you need to know that you might, some people might, and I, I, I do this in some of the classes that I teach because I'm working with women, uh, about 90% of them have experienced trauma or this PTSD. They've been diagnosed with it or they're showing symptoms of it. So that's clear. We know that they've got flashbacks, they're not sleeping, they've got triggers. And it's clear that this PTSD, for a lot of people, it's not clear they've got trauma but actually trauma is endemic within our uh culture and system so um it it may be that uh within the group you need a facilitator that understands that if they're working with uh clients that they give them permission to not follow everything exactly as it's being taught because we need to be able to empower ourselves if we're experiencing something that is really overwhelming and we feel quite scared that if we tap into the fear and that fear escalates, then that can take us into panic. So in a way, we've got to give permission that it's OK to breathe through the experience that you're having. If you're having triggers and it's and it's bringing up some really difficult stuff, that is definitely the time to go and talk to somebody else. Now, I've done that. I've done that outside of the yoga group because that's not the space to do it. They're not the people who are trained. And that's often you need what we call trauma-informed therapists to be trained to hear uh, and work with you in a way that doesn't re-traumatize you and helps you uh, learn to regulate. So we've talked about emotional regulation. The other thing we've talked about as well is that... um, um, Often it can be around feelings of not feeling safe. So anybody that's had any traumatic experiences in their childhood days. Now, if they don't know, if they find it's difficult to find words to articulate, it can be that the trauma occurred before the verbal language developmental process began. So that's pre two to one or two years old. Um, So the best thing to do is to be aware that this can happen to anyone you can everyone can experience a array of emotions to stay in a place of um that it's okay to experience what you're experiencing and get some help if you feel like you can't um and then to uh maybe either listen to something which is a meditation that gets you to think about how you create a feeling of safety within the space you're in so it could be that you imagine that the chair that you sat on is solid it's made of wood the floor is under your feet You ground yourself and you take your awareness down to your feet and you feel the presence of yourself sat on the chair because what can happen with trauma is you can disassociate 
and yes. come back out of your body mm-hmm. uh, and trip out. So it can be like the everything starts to feel unreal. Um, it doesn't happen to many people, but it can happen. So you need to set up that awareness of, of that solid experience of this current reality. I'm now currently sat on a chair. It's made of metal. I'm feeling the chair and I'm focusing on my breath. I don't focus on the panic and I don't focus on the overwhelm or on the fear. That can really make a big difference. Then I, in NLP, they talk about anchoring a the safe uh, state. So you've talked about something that you applied that might be, uh, and it's actually an EFT, emotional freedom technique. This is actually a gateway uh, in terms of the meridian system. Yeah. So some people will tap that. And, it, and it's a, a way of, again, grounding this physical feeling of your body, taking your awareness to your feet. And for other people, it might be once you've generated that state that you um, imagine that you've put the sensation of safety and security and being okay and you've placed it on the knuckle or you've got it there for some people it's an object you know uh, this is where object relations theory comes from so one it's knowing you might not know you've experienced trauma in the past so if you feel very overwhelmed by the emotions that are coming through breathe imagine that you're in a safe space and talk to people if you become overwhelmed or if you're not in a safe space as in some of the women I work with have experienced being stalked and harassed so clearly they're not so it's hard what we've just got to stop them doing is overthinking feeling chaotic and out of control and finding things that gives them a sense of control again and people around them that they need to lean on that will implement the security and, the, and things that will keep them safe so that's right. real that's what's happening for yeah. other people they don't know that um right. it's also being aware that actually people who are uh, delivering classes not everybody is aware of uh, of trauma and the impact of trauma now right. me and you've talked about that we've both experienced our own traumas and the impact that that can have on us mm-hmm. um, but I think what always helped me is I just always knew I'd be okay yeah. you know yeah. it was just a simple feeling inside yeah sometimes you tap into your higher power because if I felt at times in a really rocky place I've called in my higher power and said you know uh, whether it is protection safety security and that just helps almost reaffirm it depends on what your beliefs are it depends on what model you're subscribing to Mm -hmm. whether you're learning mindfulness or meditation and if you're going to a regular group every week there is a chance that difficult emotions are going to rise Mm -hmm. so you need to feel that the facilitator that's running that um can uh be entrusted with the group and the group experience that they are approachable and they'll be able to go, it's okay, we've got you, you've got your back. Right. Yeah. yeah. You have you the safety support. net available here. Yeah. yeah, I do agree. You know, uh, one of the most profound um, meditations I had was about, you know, body trauma and how we hold the trauma inside of our body. And the release was so profound. I mean, snot crying, you know, just snot, tears, messy, all of it. And the relief I felt afterwards was beyond measure. And, and I was glad that I faced that those scary spaces at that point, because I needed to, but that grounding yourself back in is very important. So absolutely the, the suggestions that Mel just had are great ways for you to ground back into the reality that you're in, in this current position, knowing where your safe space is, knowing who your safety net is, knowing that you're able to tap yourself back into a grounded reality, knowing that you're sitting in a secure place. These are all ways to, if things get a little too out of hand, because it can, you know, it can allow yourself these, uh, be prepared. It's the way I would put that. Allow yourself a preparedness so that if something does fall away, you have this available to you. And yeah. even in that, it almost creates that energy space of calling in the higher power or putting protection around you. If you prep work, then you already have kind of that energetic buildup of safety 
building around you. And again, you don't have to believe in anything, but yourself, if you just say, as if you're on a personal empowerment journey, just, I am creating a space that is safe and secure all around me and within me, and just allow yourself to build that energy. Because again, everything is energy. And the more you can build this energetic field around you, the more you're going to be able to walk into the scary places and allow yourself to face the fears that perhaps we've ran from, <laughs> perhaps yeah. we ran from our whole life and then able yes. to face them and get through them, knowing that you are still in this grounded space in this grounded environment, and you can stand up at any time and release yourself from that is, um, a safety net. I would definitely recommend if you're working through some personal traumas that perhaps you're not going to a therapist to see. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think that point of, um, you know, whether you're crying or, and you can feel really distressed. I mean, if you've recently lost somebody, you know, you've experienced grief and you're going to tap into those feelings. It's, it feels devastating at the time when you're experiencing that, but yes, it can feel a big release and it can, and you can feel lighter afterwards and you can feel refreshed and uh, revitalized. But until you trust that actually being still and just breathing properly and listening to something and, and staying still for a moment, uh, 10 minutes, half an hour, you know, an hour, whatever feels right for you mm-hmm. can be deeply healing, regenerative, um, that itself. And also it's knowing once you've done it, you know, uh, I remember, you know, my mum passed, uh, God over 10 years ago now. Um, and at the time when I was going through the grief, it was, it was waves. It was huge waves. I remember I'd feel okay. And then I'll just get this swoop of wave coming over me. But it was the fact that I used to say, you know, I knew the wave was coming and I knew that if I just accepted, I felt like that. Sometimes you drop to your knees because you feel so distressed and disarmed. Yeah. Another time, and then you just get the healing process. It was when I didn't know that those things were normal, that it was normal to feel those things, that I got scared and I got frightened and I could feel that panic well before I knew the stuff I know, which is why I'm so pro practices that can really make what feels like complex, messy and complicated, actually light, vibrant and really turn your life around. And I certainly know like what yours, I can wake up feeling, you know, uh, heavy and something's uh, with me. And it only takes a few breaths now because I've practiced it for so long and a couple of yoga moves um, to really start to get me into that space. And I can feel within a short period of time now a lift and a shift. And it is really visceral. It's really obvious. It's a huge difference. And it doesn't take away the problem, but it does allow the problem to to go into more bite-sized pieces. So it's manageable. And that's really all that we're trying to promote here is, you know, we tell you about the kiss method often, and that's keep it simple, stupid. And the simpler you can keep things, the more bite-sized pieces you can take. You don't have to take the whole staircase. You just got to take that first step. And it really does make everything more manageable. And any type of meditation allows for that space to be created so that you can manage the places that are hard, the places that are traumatic. Yeah. So I thought I'd just give some sort of simple how to do it, you know, like the yeah. first uh, few steps. So the first one, as Daniel and I have um, said, is you focus on your breath. It sounds really simple, but if you sat up or lay down, you just start to focus on your breath. Where is it? Is it in your chest? Is it, is it short? Is your lungs tight? Um, or can you breathe in And feel your stomach start to rise. So it takes about three or four breaths for the stress system to switch into the cooling, more peaceful system. So you focus on that. And if you've uh, if you've got thoughts that are passing through your mind, you can imagine that you've put them on a cloud and they're going to sit there and you can attend to them later. You don't have to forget them. If you've got a lot of thoughts passing through or, you know, by the way, make sure you get this have a notebook there, write the thoughts yeah. down and see if that will help you ground them. Yes. Um, so you start with a process of breathing and you can stay in that place. You can just focus in and out, in and out. And you can do that for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And if that's what you want to do every day, you can even really start to experience the benefit of that. Once you start to realize what happens with the thoughts that are coming through your head, they're a bit like, it's a bit like Velcro, you know, that material that if you stick it together, it's really hard to pull apart. 
your mm-hmm. thoughts can be really pervasive. So it's just stick with it because at some point um, the mind won't keep the them so powerfully sort of stuck. Yeah. You might also go for a process, which I, I think we've both done this, Danielle, of where you've had conversations in the day and something's not gone well, or you've had a <laughs> difficult situation with a friend or something, and you replay yeah. the video in your mind, and then you replay the scenario that if they say this next time or if this happens yes. next time, yeah, you know, and then that that whole movie goes through your head. So Creating notice the whole drama. <laughs> yeah. And that's part of the brain's um, job in, you know, keeping you safe. So what he does yeah. is build up scenarios so that you're prepared. If you're stuck in that and it's hard to shift, decide instead to build a, a desired future, a desired scenario. So if you want to see yourself um, sorting through the arguments and everyone being in the good space, visualize that instead. So what you're doing is you're reframing the same situation and turning that negative experience into something uh positive so these are things that you can struggle with and they're the first few steps in that process so you can sit in silence you can do it lying down or sitting up I mean a lot of the time it is about sitting up because we don't always want to go to sleep but if you are it's an indicator that um you need some rest or the body needs some healing um and you can then in the daytime um I'm working from home. So what I try and do is after I've done, I don't know, maybe I've wrote a piece or had a meeting, I'll then just even where I'm sat, start to take some deep breaths and listen to some music and just have time out for five minutes. Yeah. And it's inc- and it's incredible as to what you start to notice. If you're at work or doing any kind of activity and you get stuck in that and you feel like you're stuck in a problem, that's a really good time to actually then take yourself out of that and do a body scan notice what you're feeling where are you tight where are you loose are you holding your breath have you got thoughts racing around in your mind is stress being activated is that because you're not getting the support that you need or is that because um you're you've got those internal dialogues floating around and ex-manager did did this and therefore that's why you're feeling so try and name the feeling try and look at the situation just pay attention to it and then choose something to tune into the net, the, the sound of the laptop. I don't know about you, but I've had a noisy laptop on and off where you can hear the fan going or yeah. the birds that are in the background. So do that, you know, if you do that a few times in the day, then you can apply mindfulness techniques. You can, um, now I actually switched around. Um, I used to really like, oh, I hate washing up, but I decided I was going to use washing up as a mindful activity because where my sink is, I can actually see the garden. And at whatever time of the year and washing up and when you practice mindfulness which means really focusing on the activity that you're doing how does the water feel what does the soap pad feel in your hand like what is the weight of the plate when you do that and you practice mindfulness same as when you're cooking focus exactly on what you're doing because actually the research is showing that multitasking isn't actually as beneficial as they thought it was so we need to try and practice at least one thing at a time uh, at some point in the day if we are used to uh, carrying multiple projects or which you know, we typically are in this yeah. day and age I mean we're literally holding in our hand almost all the time a cell phone that is multitasking at its finest yeah yeah exactly yeah. so they're the, they're the sort of key elements of it sit focus notice your thoughts try and clear your thoughts or you're never going to have an empty uh, mind you know no. I, 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 even monks I don't know uh, whether they get to that state um there's lots of music on YouTube if you want to put in frequency music for meditation yeah. guided visualizations and as Daniel says I've done it on several occasions as well I put on uh, um I like metaverse on YouTube uh-huh. and they play for nine or 10 hours. So I put the music yeah. on, I practice the breathing. And so you've got that music going in uh, all the time and oh, yeah. experiencing that before you go to sleep. The amount of meditation available on YouTube is wild. I think my two favorites yeah. are Meditative Mind and Calm Well. And Calm Well, W H A L E, typically has more like hang drum, you know, whereas Meditative yes. Mind is very focused on frequency. And so. Yeah. You know, it just depends on what you're looking for, guys. Everything that you want is available at the tips of your fingers all the so time when it comes yeah. to this type of stuff. And be gentle 
on yourself. Be gentle with it. Remember, this is a journey. Meditation is not a destination. This meditation in it's it, journey, yeah. yeah, it's a journey. And yeah. being part of this journey has really helped in a lot of ways. You know, even when I couldn't clear my mind, even when I couldn't stay focused, I allowed one thought to come in. And that mm -hmm. one thought is what I focused on. And I allowed that thought to just continue to unravel itself and unravel itself. And at the end of that unraveling, there's usually kind of an answer or at least an emotion or a vibration that I can stay within and understand more of no matter what way you choose to use meditation and mindfulness mm. is the right way. There's not a way that's really going to be destructive for you. There's not going to be a way that's going to cause you harm. Every bit of this is like a training course for your mind and how you can connect that to your body mm. and spirit. And it's very important that we know that this is a, a practice and it's not a, even a practice makes perfect. This is just a practice. And you want to continue to practice this gift that has been given to you by staying, by staying still by staying mm -hmm. mindful and allow it to really open things up for you that you might've otherwise missed because we live in a busy, busy world doing busy things all the time. And because we've talked about some of the sort of downsides of meditation in terms of what can be perceived as negative emotions, I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the benefits as in yeah. uh, what can feel really good. Now, there's a couple of practices you can apply. And this is for me, a blend of meditation and NLP, because um, if you wanted to create a state, you could get, you could practice a meditation, focus on your breath and sit still. And then you can imagine uh, a, a word that you want. So it could be compassion. It could be joy. It could be happiness. Then you search for that place where you felt happiness, joy, or compassion, right. or listen to something that makes you feel those things. Yeah. And then you can put your hand on your heart and you can breathe in and out and go to that place where you felt the joy, the happiness. And it could be a party. It could be when you're walking down the beach. It could be when you're watching butterflies, whatever that is, focus on that feeling, feel that yeah. feeling state in your body, focus on your breath, focus on immersing yourself and milking that feeling as much as you can right and what can start to happen is you might even feel tingles warmth you might feel your your heart expanding you can feel your own if you feel energy you can feel your energy field expanding and it's a really good one especially when you wake up in the morning is to say what is it I want to feel today okay so I don't want to be overwhelmed by all these thoughts I want to manage these situations that can feel difficult okay so i want to feel calm and confident i want to feel at peace if you're going into situations where they're more challenging let's tap into compassion let's see the humanness in everyone so let's breathe in compassion let's imagine that every soul we come into contact with is as annoying and as irritating as they can be that right let's go back into compassion because how would i feel if that was me so um and then the last thing that I want to share is over time, I started to notice probably about a year ago, I'd sit down and start meditating. And I might have had, when I was starting to set up these projects, I might have had a, a range of ideas in my mind or didn't know how to move forward on something. And I've meditated for, say, you know, 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever. All of a sudden, all these ideas are coming to me to do with work, something that I want to write a thing that I want to do next. And that was fascinating. And I read a book um, written by a researcher who was exploring yoga, who actually did a chapter on meditation. And it's been very little written about meditation and creativity. Yeah, now, yeah. meditation can really ramp up your creativity. It really will. Yeah. yeah. When and the, the biggest downloads I ever have, um, and by downloads, I just mean information that comes forward is, yeah. is during a meditative state of mind where I sit in a stillness where I'm not cluttered by thought and things and the to-do lists. And, and that's really when I get this, this giant information load that comes through and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, this is the, this is beautiful. I wouldn't have otherwise realize these things or this information wouldn't have come forward from within me yeah. Yeah. yeah and and in those moments I've developed projects ideas about our podcasts have come 
I bought myself, because I wouldn't have ever considered myself an artist by any stretch of the word, but bought myself colouring pens because I realised the process of just drawing different colours on a piece of paper was a part of mindfulness that freed the brain from all the other thoughts that were coming in. So then you can, as we always say in this, be the experimenter, be the scientist in your own journey and see the value. But consistency is key to everything. Behaviour change and transformation, the key to all of that is consistency. So if you're going to do it, do it for five minutes a day if you've not done it before. And just set yourself a goal on focusing on your breathing and then see what happens. And then let's see how beautiful the journey unfolds. And let us know if you have been on this journey or if you're beginning this journey. And we would love to have any knowledge or information you might have, you know, want to provide to us. So before we end, I did just want to remind everybody to join our Facebook page at Mel and Danielle. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our YouTube page. And if you feel generous, share us. We are building a community based off of growing, healing, well-being, and mindfulness. And we would like as many along this ride as possible. Brilliant. Yeah, exactly. And I think both of us will have a couple of meditations that we're going to upload at some stage. And yeah, and hopefully people benefit from some of what we spoke about. So thank you, Danielle, for your time. Thank you, Mel. You guys have a good night. Yes, good night.